Hi, this is Nathan Owens from the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse in Antigua. Every Tuesday evening at 7.30, we have a live call-in program discussing real-life issues from the Caribbean. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. You're listening to That's Truth, a live call-in program with Dr. David Murphy, designed to answer your questions biblically in this confusing culture. Dr. Murphy has over 30 years of counseling and ministry experience here in the Caribbean and is ready to answer your questions according to truth. Good evening and welcome to another exciting episode of That's Truth. I'm Nathan Owens, sitting behind the microphone here at the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse. Pastor Murphy is not in the studio tonight, but in his place we have Brother Campbell sitting across from me. Brother Campbell, welcome back to the studio. It's good to have you here. Thank you very much, Brother Nathan. It's a joy to be here once again. Again, your questions don't have to pertain to the topic. They can be about the Christian life. They can be about just life. They can be about why the Bible was written, why the Bible says something or doesn't say something. Maybe it's something that doesn't relate to religion at all, but you want a biblical worldview perspective on it. We would love for you to contact us. No matter how you are joining us, we appreciate you listening on this evening. Now, as we await your questions, we are going to set off on another topic. This is a topic that Brother Campbell actually spoke about a couple of years ago here on That's Truth when he was filling in for Pastor Murphy one evening, and it was the topic of the importance of the family in the life of a nation. And tonight, he's going to be continuing to develop that, focusing more on the marriage and that aspect. Now, Brother Campbell, I remember that evening as we sat and you shared a lot of practical information and I'm not going to ask you to review all of it, but I am going to ask, for the sake of our discussion, can you kind of give us a definition of family life or marriage as it pertains for our discussion so that we know what you're referencing when you talk about marriage? Sure, brother. It's a joy for me to do that because family life is something that I am so attracted to. Uh in my own personal desire for that which is right, I love to see families go well. But because I do believe that family life is important for the success of of communities and even more importantly for nations, um, I promote it just as the Bible does. But for your request that we that I give a definition, I would say that the family life is firstly the union of a man and a woman who are emotionally attracted to each other and intellectually committed to each other with absolute determination to make each other happy for the rest of their natural lives and to, and to take care, take every 
care to ensure the well-being of children that may become the fruit of that union. I think that that definition uh, brings into focus some of the problems that we see in families. It is important that the two persons, the man and the woman, and it is important that it be a man and a woman. We know that uh, in this 21st century, a man has become so wrapped up in his own ideas of right and wrong that he is bent, he is determined to redefine man, redefine woman, and as a result, redefine marriage. But it is not working for their good, nor for our good, because we have a God who has prescribed for us that which is right. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 31, we have a quote from the Old Testament, from creation times, which quote was used by the Lord Jesus in talking about marriage. And now, in this epistle, Ephesians, where the apostle is guiding the church and teaching the church, we read in verse 31 of Ephesians 5, For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. A man in this situation is definitely not a, a, a female, or nor could it be an in-between. It is definitely male. The wife is definitely female. There's no halfway measure. There's no in-between. That is God's prescription, a man and his wife. I have been following the news recently. I've followed the news all my life, really. And I was shocked a few times to hear persons that I admired for their eloquence, for their ability to articulate their thoughts, to analyze things that are happening, uh, who may be male, speak about me and my husband. Hmm. And uh, I know another who is female. As a matter of fact, I was particularly shocked about one recently who speaks about her and her wife. And it is so improper, it is so out of order. The Bible says that it is leaving the natural use of the man and leaving the natural use of the woman. It's unnatural. So we, the only proper definition for the family that God approves of is that a man and a woman be joined together and they attend lovingly to their children. 
Thank you very much for that very practical, very much needed explanation. Now, I did find very interesting in your definition there, uh, you talk about a man and a woman who are emotionally attracted. In our world, I mean, you look at Hollywood movies, you look at even within the church, uh, so many times the attraction is physical and or uh there's not necessarily an emotional attraction. What do you mean by an emotional attraction? What would be some signs of that? Well, (laughs) it should be easy for me to define this because I was emotionally attracted to somebody uh, nearly 50 years ago. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, what I found was that um, I was always happy to have conversation with this person. I found that uh, I look forward to the time when I'd be traveling to where the person lives and have a meeting with that person. I would find that I would be praying for this person quite a lot. I would find that the thought of the person made me happy. This is emotion. Emotion is... uh, that self-awareness that that comes from the soul that God gives us. Last week I defined, in our presentation last week, I defined um, the soul as a seat of the emotion that enables me to know how I feel. It can be positive emotion like joy and happiness or negative emotion like sadness and so forth. And uh, if there is negative emotion in your contact with the person and your thought about the person, then that's not the person that you want to spend the rest of your life with. But if there's positive emotion, then that's a good thing. However, the emotion is not the determining the, the, the uh, major factor. The emotion is not the major factor. I would say that the commitment mm. is the major factor. So having uh, realized that the, you and your, the person you're attracted to, the two parties, have uh, a, a, an attraction to each other, there must be a commitment to being together, if they're going to marry, to being together for the rest of their lives. Come what may, you know, in the marriage vows that that is taken, people are asked to say things like in sickness and in health and uh, whatever, you know, all those things. Um, I'm a marriage officer myself, but you know all that is said. And um, with all of these is the commitment to withstand the storms that one will encounter. Because you will encounter storms, you will encounter, you will experience disagreements, you will find um, occasionally things said that should not have been said, and you've got to be committed to having it corrected. And um, hopefully, as we go along, we'll see some of the ways in which this commitment has to be made. But it must be a commitment that the two parties, the man and the woman, will continue for each other and for the family 
for the rest of their lives. Before I jump into any more material here, I, if you are listening and you have a question, maybe it's about family life, maybe it's about marriage, and maybe it doesn't pertain to either of those topics, we want you to interact with us by communicating your question to us. You can communicate to us by calling and putting it, asking it live on the air. The phone line's open and awaiting your call. Again, safe place for you to call. We're not here to argue with you. We're going to hear your question and then answer it from a biblical worldview using Scripture and the principles in Scripture. The phone number to call is 1-268-462-7420. If you don't want to speak live on the air, you can WhatsApp or text your question. If you don't want your question followed back to you or even to the country that you are Uh, calling from or messaging from, just put at the beginning of your message, anonymous, don't want to track back to me, something like that. And I won't even mention a country based on the area code of your phone number or anything like that. I may not even mention what app, what um, sphere or what hemisphere you are listening to the Radio Lighthouse. I know we have listeners as far away as Australia and Eastern Europe that have sent in questions in the past. Enough of me rambling. Let me give you the contact information. WhatsApp or text your question to 1-268-782-1454. WhatsApp or text 268-782-1454. Or if you're on Facebook Live, you can comment your question right there in the comment section and we will ask it live on the air. Now, as we continue with this topic and kind of use the material that was discussed a couple of years ago as a launching foundation. I have here in front of me, Brother Campbell, a study, and this comes from the Barner Research Group. They do a lot of uh, research in the states because that's where a lot of statistics are and studies are done. But it says that in between 2000 and 2016, they did a study among the general population of adults. And those with strong religious convictions are more likely to be married than those without. No surprise there. But they are just as likely to have experienced a divorce. And again, uh, that statement there, strong religious convictions, that covers a very broad spectrum, uh, that much broader than just uh, conservative Christianity, biblical Christianity, what you and I would define as biblical Christianity. But according to that study, religion is not reducing the number of divorces. So as we talk about a successful marriage, and I'm confident that everyone who is married or is looking forward to marriage is hoping for a successful marriage. No one sets off into something and says, oh, I hope for something to be a failure. What are some key reasons uh, that come to your mind as to why a marriage may not be successful? Uh, I would say uh, selfishness, sad to say. As a matter of fact, um, I started off by mentioning the need for commitment. And if there's going to be a commitment, there's going to be a commitment to the happiness of the other party. I don't have to think about my happiness. I think about the other party's 
happiness. And the other party should be thinking about my happiness. Now, if they aren't thinking about my happiness, do I still have to think about theirs? Well, I was about to say... Sorry for the interruption. (laughs) That the one thinks of the other's happiness regardless. Hmm. And it does not necessarily look to have it reciprocated. The... I am not going to uh, base my commitment to my uh, partners. I'm using the word partners because it would be wife or husband. Right. Uh, Happiness. I'm not going to be basing my commitment to that person's happiness on how happy they make me. I must be happy just because they are happy. And therefore, I commit to making them happy. And I rejoice in that. And I see that as success. But to your question about what uh, what are some of the reasons for failures in, in marriage, I think the, the idea of selfishness. Uh, I, I observe this. And... Um, I think the first time we did this, I, I, I may refer to a few experiences I've had walking around the villages and even in the city and see how persons deal with children and deal with their partners, whoever the partner might be. They might not be married, um, but I, they're not necessarily people that I know. And um, even a few days ago, I saw one of these scenarios acting out in which a guy stopped his car and I saw him examine his shoes and then he opened the door and examined the shoes of a child behind. But, you know, I thought it was some emergency or something, but he is protecting his car to the point where he didn't mind who he was embarrassing. Hmm. It's so selfish. And they put this car, not a new car or anything, but that doesn't matter. You take care of whatever God gives you. Um... But selfishness, it's all about me, my desires, my expectations. And you complain about the person not meeting up to my expectations of her. Not realizing that you don't even think that you need to meet up with her expectations of you. It's disrespect by one for the other. The way... One addresses the other. Their deliberate public embarrassment by one of the other, letting everybody know that, you know, last night she came home at this hour and that hour and and, uh, the day before it was his payday and he brought no money home. You know, uh, this deliberate effort to publicly embarrass the partner, it's not good. Neglect or denial of any reasonable need that one may have or the other may have. And then there's abuse, verbal abuse, physical abuse. These are things that certainly make relationship very, very difficult. You referenced selfishness, and I think that can cover a whole lot of scenarios. But the situation where, and I'm sure you've probably observed it, I think 
we all have to some degree, even though we're not all uh, counselors or pastors or uh, leaders in a church. But the attitude that one partner will have that they are more important than the person they're married to. Is that something that you've observed and how do you address it? What's the root cause there or what's the Bible have to say about it? Could you repeat that? Yeah, so the the belief that one person, one partner is more important than the other partner. Uh, how do you address that from a biblical worldview? Yes, I, I, that's really sad. That should not be found in a marriage relationship. We're not to think of each other in terms of who is more important, who is uh, the, the, the person contributing more, you know. Um, those are not questions that should even enter the mind because the Bible says let each regard the other better than themselves in Ephesians 5 it mentions here verse 21 submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God now most husbands like to look at what God says to the wives my argument is that the husband should look at what God says to the husband wow. and the wives look at what God says to the wives. But to the wives it says, submitting yourselves, sorry, verse 22, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. 21 says, submit yourselves one to another. But as we go over to First Peter chapter 3, it says, Likewise you husbands, dwell with your wives, dwell with them, that's your wives, according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife. Give honor unto the wife. Do not pull them down. Do not think of them as lesser mortals. As unto heirs, sorry, as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. Well, we're speaking to a general community, my brother, and I don't expect, I don't think that everybody who's listening is a committed Christian, but they should take note that God says, if you don't treat your wives right, I won't answer your prayers. Hmm. <laughs> That's a, a strong statement. It is. As you referenced, that not everyone listening is necessarily a committed Christian. Let me take the opportunity to ask you, what does it mean to be a Christian? And in 2022, when it seems like so many different terms and so many different topics are being redefined, what does it mean to be a Christian? A Christian is a person who accepts the truth of God as presented in the Word of God, having acted upon the truth. Uh, last week we were looking at where the in Romans 10 and 14, starting at the bottom, there's a preacher who is preaching, preached that we're all sinners, 
there's a sinner who hears and he realizes Jesus Christ is the person who can forgive sins then that person because he believed the person who believes calls on the Lord because he believes and having called upon the Lord he has faith that God has saved him and so Romans 10 and 9 says by grace are you saved sorry <laughs> Romans 10 and 9 says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe and shall believe in thine heart believing is having faith believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead thou shalt be saved a believer must fully accept the truth contained in God's word and uh, commit to that truth by faith. So even though he may not fully understand, even though he might find difficulty uh, dealing with it, maybe dealing with it is not the exact word I want, or processing it, even he may have difficulty processing it, he must have faith that what God says is true. And that's where Ephesians 2 and 8 will come in. That by grace are we saved through faith, and that not of ourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. If you're listening tonight and you have a question that you would like answered, we would love to answer it. You can call and ask your question live on the air by calling 268 462 7420. You can WhatsApp or text your question to 268 782 1454. Or if you are joining us on Facebook Live, you can comment your question right there on your device in the comment section, and we will pass the question along to Brother Campbell live on the air. Time across the Eastern Caribbean on this Tuesday evening is 7.57. We have exactly an hour left in tonight's episode. Still plenty of time. Please keep your radio dial tuned to 1160 AM, 92.3 FM, or if you're joining us online, continue to listen that way. But let me encourage you, don't just enjoy it yourself, but also encourage someone else to tune in. Still an hour left in the program. Plenty of time for them to tune in and not be left behind. The material that is being discussed is extremely practical and beneficial for all of us. Maybe you are a young person. You're not married yet. You don't even have any one that has turned in a potential application to be your spouse yet. But you are, Lord willing, looking forward to being married in the future at some point. Maybe you're not even sure you want to get married. Listen, stay tuned, listen to the material that Brother Campbell has prepared and what the Bible has to say about a successful marriage. It will be well worth your time. Brother Campbell, you're talking about selfishness in marriage and the situation where one person might view themselves as being more important or superior to the other. Is there any room at all for that in a successful marriage? No room whatsoever. What should an individual do if they find themselves in a situation where they or their marriage partner is expressing those concepts or those attitudes? How do you proceed? Well, the person, the, the individual who is thinking of it, 
needs to recognize that this is from the devil. You know, and uh, throughout our Caribbean region, I imagine that persons would say they believe in God, and therefore they probably would also say that they believe in the devil. And they're not going to want to adopt a thought process and a lifestyle that originates in, from the pit of darkness. And if, he, if one finds oneself thinking of himself as being superior to his partner, I think that that is from the devil. And we just showed from the scriptures that we have to uh, commit ourselves, submit ourselves one to the other. And um, one should regard himself as being superior, um, the other as being superior, you know. And, and one has to get rid of that. One must disabuse oneself of all considerations of superiority or equally inferiority in the relations. Interesting. Those feelings come from the devil and should not find their way into the marriage experience. Deliberately tell yourself that there is no room for such in my marriage. I respect my wife. I have great regard for my husband. I think he is a gift from God to me. My wife is what God sent to make my life what it is today. Appreciation for each other, vitally, vitally important. And there'd be no room for any feeling that I am superior or that the other person is inferior. To the listener who says, Brother Campbell, I'm dating or courting, whichever word and philosophy you want to follow. I'm dating or courting, and the person that I am in a relationship with and looking toward marriage, maybe we even have a date set, I see some of that attitude in them. What should I do? The, you know, the, the, the discussions can lead to solutions. Uh, one will have to have discussions about what is acceptable and what is not. I know, unfortunately, that there are persons who can play the role, uh, good role players, or con artists in some cases, sadly enough, so that one can actually be convinced that this person has changed. But if you see that in the person, you know that this is not going to end well for marriage. And uh, <laughs> it's a hard thing to say. But Paul did say that in certain circumstances, it is better to remain single. Um now, I, if I tell some people that, they'll say, well, it's better I commit suicide. <laughs> wow. But um, but it is quite true that uh, there are signs, there are red flags that appear before the decision is taken to commit to the union, to marriage. If those red flags are there, don't go forward. I'm not saying dismiss any possibilities, but 
do not go forward because uh, don't go forward until there is clear evidence that this matter has been resolved. You mentioned red flags, and I think that's a great way of putting it. Do you see any issue with one partner thinking that they are doing the other partner a favor by being in the relationship? Unfortunately, in our Caribbean and perhaps in other parts of the world as well, there are people, persons, who do think that way, that I bring so much to the table that this person, my partner, has to bow before me and respond to my every beck and call. And uh, no, it's not a good thing to, a good attitude to take. I would say think a little further and you will realize that you complement each other. In a relationship, we complete each other so that there is something that needs to be filled up in me that this person brings. But thank God, there is something also that I bring that fills up but that which is lacking in the other person. You should not wait until you are ill in order to recognize the value of the partner in the relationship. Value the company. Value the friendship. Value the relationship. This is a friend like no other. When other friends mock at you and join in others and uh, tormenting you, this is a friend you come home and report it to. And this is a friend who put her arms around you or his arms around you and encourage you. Do not look for things to complain about. That's one of the rocks that marriages very often get uh, cast against. Complaining. Some persons, you mean, <laughs> there are some persons who if I pick them up to drop them to church, I know that by the time they get to church, they're going to complain about 10 different drivers. 10 meaning a lot. Wow. You know. Do not look for things to complain about. I don't complain about any driver because any mistake a driver makes, I, someday might, there's going to come a time when I might make the same mistake. Yeah. So dismiss negative thoughts about your partner and in the relationship. Pay compliments. Say nice things about them. Express appreciation for what they have done. Keep conversations pleasant. Avoid sarcasm if those sarcasms are aimed at your partner. Tolerate your partner's weakness and failings. Yes, there's weakness in all of us. Tolerate it. Even if you get no response for all that you're doing, find a polite way of letting him or her know what is what it is that you are trying to do. I'm trying to build a relationship here, brother. I'm trying to make the best of our marriage here, sister. Do some things, too, to add to that, you know. Buy or make items. Some people are skillful with their hands. Make items to be used as gifts for members of the family, including the children. 
no matter how small and uh, no matter how inexpensive I say <laughs> inexpensive because it can be inexpensive but it is not cheap not if it is done with love or how simple it might be something do something practical that will move the heart of your partner in the right direction Time across the Eastern Caribbean on this Tuesday evening is 8 minutes after 8 p.m. Thanks for listening to That's Truth. If you've just tuned in and you say, wait, Pastor Murphy's voice changed. No, <laughs> Pastor Murphy just isn't in the studio this evening. But Brother Campbell, a voice that is very familiar here on the Lighthouse. If you are enjoying his teaching, I know you will also enjoy his program, Love and Service. Be sure you tune in tomorrow evening at 8.30 p.m. for Love and Service. It comes on Monday evening and Wednesday evening at 8.30 p.m. Very practical teaching and gifted teacher, and we are thankful that you are here in the studio tonight, brother. As we are talking about this topic, I know you may have a question, and maybe you don't want to trace back to you because you don't want anyone to know that maybe you're facing a particular thing. You can keep it generic. If you don't want to call in, you can WhatsApp or text your question to 268-782-1454. And uh, by all means, just at the beginning of your message, if you want it to remain anonymous, just put anonymous and it won't even be tied back to your country that your area code is from. Brother Campbell, I'm looking here at a study on Google. You know, that's one of the my first go-to places for statistics. It says that a study of 2,600 married couples from Britain, China, Russia, Turkey, and the United States found that the most common sources of conflict were division of labor, I guess that's who does the dishes and who takes out the garbage, finances. And that's what I want to go at now is for a partner to say that this relationship has to last or my partner has to stay with me because they are financially dependent on me, I'm the one that's bringing in all the finances. Do you see something wrong from a biblical worldview and how should we address that? Yes. Um, the thought that the other person is uh, dependent on me uh, because they're not earning as much or not earning at all uh, is a thought that could lead in the wrong direction. It should be true that one could not exist without the other. Or as you might think my wife can't make it without me. She depends entirely on me for my financial contribution. Interesting thing is that if she weren't in the house, you'd probably have to go to the restaurant every day and, and purchase food because you don't know how to cook. Or you'd probably have to go into some strange person to tell your story to who has no sympathy for you. <laughs> <laughs> you probably 
have to report to your friend what happened to you at work today, only to have your friend go down the road and, 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 and join with another friend in laughing at you. So you, you, you think that your money is your main contribution. But what the other party is contributing is more than money can buy. And you should value that. Very, very practical advice. And I think all of us would do well to consider our actions and our attitudes, whether there's something we sought out to have as an attitude at the beginning of the day or whether it's something that has just crept into us. So much of what's on television and in movies, Brother Campbell, is just the attitudes is contrary to the structure and the model that God has set out for the family. Would you agree with that statement? Definitely. And uh, it's just when you thought it couldn't get worse, it just gets worse and worse. And um, I know I listen to the news, but there's so much news out there that no one man can be au fait and update, up to date with everything that's going on. True. And if I only attempt to mention one of the things that only just came to my attention, the younger people in particular will say, what, you mean you didn't know about that before? But apparently there's a movie out that I, I heard about it uh, today or yesterday because it was banned in Saudi Arabia. So that was, I can't attempt to call the name of the movie because I I don't really know. <laughs> um, but what I gather is that from, from some of the players in the movie, listening to the interview, is that they think that people are not with it in the 21st century. And that the time is coming when a movie like that, in which apparently it's all about you know it out there, L B G Q U and so forth. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that. But the, the the thing about it is that this movie is all about what God hates and what God condemns in his word. And it is clearly condemned in his word. And these, these are people who are practicing things that God says, for this reason God gave them up. God gave them over to reprobate minds because of these things. And they are trying to redefine what a man is and redefine what a woman is. And I don't know how they arrive at their conclusions. I cannot imagine on what basis two women will live together as married partner unless it is part of the devil's attempt to get rid of human beings. Because if everybody were to do that, you know, there won't be any human beings left after a, a, a few generations. So it must be part of the devil's plan hmm. to get rid of human beings generally, and also to lead man to do that which God hates. Is the devil's plan to do what he can in the time that God has given him because God has given him a limited time and he is going to do all he can to get mankind 
to turn from God and turn to Satan's pernicious ways. And that's precisely what is happening today. So, yes, the movies, the Hollywood actors and players, the musicals, you know, I mean, you can sit back and you can say, okay, you know, I, 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 in my student days, long back, way back, back, I was taught to appreciate the interpretive dances and and the music and everything else. And um, I was amazed when the lecturer would explain things to me that I had not, not seen before or realized before. But today, what I am seeing is definitely, and I'm going to be very plain in saying it, definitely devilish. Hmm. It is of the devil. Um, I would say if you're sending your children to learn to do their dances or whatever, make sure that they can only have the purest of interpretations. I just am looking here at this movie you were referencing because I wasn't familiar with it, but it's all over the news online. And I was expecting like a, an actual movie, but it's a cartoon. And oh. it, so it's it's geared for for the the younger generation uh, children, and yet it's still pushing that content, which I know does not surprise you. It does not surprise me. God has given you many years of experience to be able to observe and provide counsel. And with that experience, I'm curious, are you familiar with any instances of an individual thinking they are intellectually superior to their partner? And if so, how do you address that from a biblical worldview? Yes, I am familiar with that. I'm familiar with a young man. I still call him a young man. He's still... Uh, I don't know if I should say this, but to point out... He has a PhD in uh, medical physics, <laughs> mm. and uh, got married, and uh, within a month or less, separated from the person he got married to. And uh, I see his writings on Facebook and so forth, and I know that he is convinced that he's intellectually superior to just about anybody around him. And uh, it uh, that attitude did not help him in marriage, and he's not the only one there. Are others who would tell you, look, you know, I went to secondary school. Um, <laughs> I remember one who was a, uh, a missionary, actually, and he lauded his wife because she wrote A-levels. That's a British kind of mm -hmm. exam. A-levels. And so anything she told him, he just went along with. So he was seeing himself, and he said, you know, I come from a fisherman's village, and he calls the country where he comes from, and 
and he ran away from school at age 14 to join the British Navy during the World War. So he looks down on himself and elevates her way up there. So there's that part of it as well. And um, I feel very sorry for him. And uh, um, I don't know where he is now, <laughs> what's become of him, but I, I think... Um, it is important that we recognize that we are equal partners in the relationship. Not to think of ourselves but because of the fact that, you know, one has a degree you know, and the other one doesn't or something of the sort, that that one is, is, is superior intellectually to the other. If I may just be uh, you know, I promised myself I wasn't going to share personal experiences, but um, oh, let me put it this way: you, you compare one's intellect with that of another is taking a dangerous trip down a slippery slope. Where one person is at the beginning of the relationship is not necessarily where one may be at the end of the relationship and I've known a lot of cases where one person particularly wives may enter the marriage without having the formal education that the husband had but she worked her way and worked her way until she went way past him and uh, I know that can happen but that's not the reason why you would not um, look down on your wife because she might pass you in the future. You don't do it because she is your equal. You know, she is the person with whom you complement, the, the person with whom you um, enjoy life. You know, and you're glad to see her elevated intellectually, you know, in formal education, etc. You're glad to see that. You know, I was very happy when my wife traveled to Wales, and I was born in Wales, but not that Wales. I was born in Wales, West Bank Demerara, in Guyana. But she went to Wales in England at a university called Aberystwyth University to do to study for a master's program in, 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 in library science. And I was very, very happy mm. when she went off, you know, to do that course. And other courses, she went to another university here in the Caribbean and two different universities in the Caribbean. And um, I was, didn't feel inferior to her when I was the one with a degree, and I don't feel, sorry, how do I put it? I didn't feel superior to her when I was the one with a degree, and I don't feel inferior to her now that she has gone to all these academic institutions and, you know, and d done what she did. Some she didn't complete, unfortunately, but that was her choice. <laughs> um, but the point is, that how we begin is not necessarily how we may end. Here's a question that's come in from a listener. Good night, Brother Nathan. Good night, Brother Campbell. I was listening to a session on Zoom last night, and the pastor that was speaking was discussing a similar topic on marriage and family life. 
He gave four points or four secrets of a happy marriage. I'm going to share these and I would be curious if you agree with them. Number one, love yourself. Number two, love your partner, not more, but better than yourself. Number three, love your children as part of yourself. And number four, love God best of all. What are your thoughts, Brother Campbell? Not that we're here to critique another man's <laughs> uh, message from God's Word, but what are your thoughts from a biblical worldview? Yeah, I think that those are, are, are that that's that's well expressed, and it's I, I agree with 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 those thoughts. Yes, I was kind of um, opening my eyes when I heard "love yourself," but I see the point that he's making. You know, he, he obviously uses that as a platform to launch out all that he was going to say. And I agree with those things very well. In our definition, we mentioned the fact that you not only love each other, but you uh, and seek the happiness of each other, but you seek the happiness of your children as well. And that is something that, to brother, if I can, if I can just shout it out right across the Caribbean, fly in the air from island to island, and shout to the people, "Love your children." Love your children. They need your love, and you do have love to, to pass on to them. Love your wives. Let me make it singular. <laughs> <laughs> love your wife, and love the children in your marriage. Oh, love your husband as well, of course. Thank you to the individual who sent in that question and sharing those thoughts that coincide very well with the topic this evening. If you have a question, you can WhatsApp or text it to 268-782-1454. You can call and be put live on the air by asking your question at 268-462-7420. Or you can join us on the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse Facebook page. Click on the Facebook the video feed and the live video feed and then right there on your device in the comment section comment your questions and they will be passed along to brother campbell live on the air we are talking about the keys to a successful marriage and some of them are from a negative perspective what counteracts or is working against a successful marriage Brother Campbell, what about the situation where you have an individual or two individuals, one from a higher economic background or social class, however you want to define that in your country, in your region, and another from a lesser uh, economic background? Is that an issue? How do we address it? Uh, <coughs> excuse me. I would say that the whole matter of background is very external. Jesus says, what goes into a man doesn't defile him. It's what comes out of the man that defiles him. Because what comes out of the man shows who he is. The background provides nurture for the individual so that 
From childhood, I learned to be polite. I learned to uh, social. I learned social graces. This is because of my background. Um, I learned to respect elders, etc. I learned to be thrifty. I learned to be um, productive, etc. So, okay, that's my background, but those are things that come into me. What about what will come out of me? I will be polite to everybody out there because I learned to be polite, but I am rude as ever to my wife. Mm. That's not good. I will be uh, thrifty and I will save and I have a bank account in my name and uh, my wife never knows what happens or my husband never knows what, ha what, what is on that bank account. So that background helps me to save but it's not helping my marriage. So uh, it is important that what comes out of us is good for the marriage. And uh, if what comes out of my wife is good for the marriage, even though she might have come from a different background, and yeah, my wife comes from a different background. She's from the city. I'm from the country. Um, but like I said, I don't know what it is, but I don't ever feel inferior to anyone and I don't act superior to anyone because that is not going to stand me in good stead before God and uh, I'm happy to have my wife coming from the city uh, a completely different background to me our father was a headmaster in those long ago days you know and um, my father was a, a, a farmer and uh, later a businessman. But the point is <laughs> that those things do not affect how I think of my wife. And thank God they don't affect how my wife thinks of me. We are husband and wife and we are living together. And that is how it should be. You don't have to feel, oh, I'm from this uh, community and you, that's why you don't you respect me or so forth. Nothing of the sort. They don't respect you because of where you come from. They respect you because of how you are. So it is what comes out. And let me tell you, Christ in the heart of man is critically important. That is what ensures that only good things emerge from the heart of man. Sorry about all the details. My daughter if she's listening in Canada she'll be quenching right now <laughs> <laughs> no thank you for making it very personal and relatable again this is a topic that I don't think we can ever get too much biblical teaching on uh, no matter how mature we may be in the faith even if it's not something that we are struggling with ourselves, it's only a matter of time until someone comes to us and is asking counsel or we have an opportunity to disciple or mentor someone who we can share 
this biblical perspective and information with as it pertains to a successful marriage and a strong family life. One thing that came to my mind as you were talking about the difference, your wife being from the city and you being from the country, and I thought back to the word compliment. You mentioned that earlier on in the the program tonight and how so many, even in the situation with myself and my wife, so many times we may have differences, but God brings those together and allows us to complement each other and see things from a bigger picture and share that perspective with each other so that we can be more effective in ministering. And I appreciate you encouraging us to say differences are not necessarily something to drive us apart, but to bring us together. Now, there are definitely actions, attitudes, however, whatever word you want to use, that lead to failures in marriage. And I don't think we have time. In fact, I know we don't have time to discuss every scenario or every possible wrong attitude that may lead to failure in marriage. And obviously, we don't want there to be failure in marriage. But as we're talking about difference in background and all, what would you say to the individual who says, my marriage is failing or my marriage has failed because one of the partners just lacked intelligence? What would be your response to that? Yes. um, Very often... When one thinks that the partner lacks intelligence, it is because one is not intelligent enough to see the intelligence in the other party. And if we take time and and listen to the partner, as a matter of fact, very often give that partner a, a chance to talk. Very often we don't even give them a chance to talk. We don't listen. And we, if we listen, we presuppose what it is that they're about to say, and that's what we hear, when in fact that may not be what they're saying. So as a result of that, we definitely need to um, take time to listen to our partner, take time to notice the quality in that person's life. In any event... You should both commit to building up each other intellectually. Um, Johnny, I just saw this book here. I was reading it, and it speaks a little about financing. I think that this will help us a whole lot, you know, and you share the knowledge you acquire and uh, so forth. And Mary, you know, there's something here about bringing up children, and you remember that problem we had with little Freddie um, you know, when he turned four, well, they tell us what to expect when he turns five. And, mm. you know, so we build each other up along the way. I know I've seen this. You probably have, too, where one partner speaks to the other partner as if they're a child. Is that just a personality difference or is there something wrong with that? It very often happens when the other partner is not even realizing that he's doing it or she is doing it. It could go either way. 
So I would say that this sometimes happens without the offender, the one who is talking down to the other, being aware of what he or she is doing. The offended should bring this to the attention of the offender. Let him know or let her know what she has done, but not to escalate the conflict, but to calm the situation. Each should examine himself. As a matter of fact, even without one bringing this matter to the attention of the other, we should constantly examine ourselves to see if, in fact, this this, this failure is, is is something that we act out. We don't want to do that. So sometimes it's good to just examine yourself without uh, anyone pointing it out to you. So each should examine himself or herself in this regard and be ready to admit to the failing if it is found to be so and to commit to self-correction. Don't wait on others to tell you, look, you know, you need to change your attitude. You commit to self-correction. I'm not going to be doing this again. Because I want my marriage not only to last, but for it to be an, an enjoyable marriage. And if I'm talking down to my partner, the, whether it be the husband or the wife, I am making my partner miserable. And if my partner is miserable... Something has to be really wrong with me to say I'm enjoying the, 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 the marriage. One has to be a sadist. In some countries, they pronounce it as sadist. But, you know, to be able to claim that you're enjoying the marriage when, in fact, the other partner is tearing apart, you know, is being torn apart by the way you speak to him or to her. What about the attitude of holding on to uh, resentment and anger? What effect will that have on a marriage? It is only going to build up into a, a, a powder keg that one day will explode in such a way that the damage done would be difficult to repair. So I would say don't hoard or don't build up resentment and anger. Deal with it, but deal with it in a wise and timely way. Allow some time for self-healing. Okay, I'm mad if I only open my mouth today. <laughs> He's not going to like what I will tell him or she's not going to like what I will tell her. Hold on a while, allow that heat, that steam to blow off, and then engage your partner in a discussion, in, gen in a gentle tone, after agreeing with him. Look, I'm about to tell you something, you may not be happy, but let us agree that we are not going to lose our temper. We are not going to get mad at each other. So you agree to resist any temptation to display anger. And you choose to forgive the wrong of the other. But if the other will not admit to wrong, then you say, well, okay, I'm sorry. Uh, maybe I, I misunderstood what you meant and um, 
I'm, I'm sorry that you know, that this has come up as an issue. But you know, in First Corinthians six, Paul says, "You go to law with your brother, rather than choose to accept wrong." So sometimes we have to accept wrong. We have a WhatsApp question that has come in. Thank you to the individual who sent it in. Brother Campbell, is there such a thing as emotional abuse? And if so, can you please explain what it is and its implications for marriage and family life? Yes, I have to be careful how I answer this because I don't want to add fuel to the fire. Sometimes, you know, there are lots of these situations out there, yes. There's the um, emotional abuse where one plays with the emotion of the other. You know that this is going to make me angry, but you do it anyway. And and uh, you, 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 you laugh at what you're doing and show no regard for my feelings and so forth. Oh, isn't it sad that we have these things in marriage? Yeah. Very, very sad. And here is where <laughs> I, somebody said to my wife, a gentleman said to my wife, and she repeated to me, he said, happy wife, happy life. <laughs> <laughs> now, I don't know where he got that from, but um, I said to me myself, maybe I should um, see if I can um, apply some of that a little more. But the, the one has to find a way around the person's hurting you by his provocative attitude and behavior, playing with your emotions and so forth. You find a way around it so that instead of being miserable and reacting negatively, find a way of actually telling yourself, if he weren't here, if he dies now, I would miss him for just this reason. And you know, turn to him and say, darling, I know you think that this is miserable, but <laughs> you know, it's all right. You can keep on doing that as long as you want. And um, you know, <laughs> I, I, I'm actually learning to enjoy it. And so I think that after a time, he's going to have to find, or she's going to have to find something else to do. Would you agree that there's no place for emotional abuse in a godly, successful marriage? There's no place for any such, no. In any marriage, actually. Um, but certainly in the Christian marriage, oh my goodness, no. Um, but again, if it happens, I would say throw cold water on it. You know, diffuse the situation actually find a way of enjoying it. Hmm. Would that be similar to the verse that says for fathers not to provoke their children? Would provoking, would that be similar? Yes. Provoke, ch- fathers provoke not their children to anger. And um, certainly the wife is not your children or your husband is not, your wife is not your child or your husband is not your child. But it is similar. It's the same sort of things that you do. But the response, I would say, is similar similar to what we read in Romans 12, uh, verse 17. It says, 
recompense to no man evil for evil. And verse 18, if it be possible, as much as life in you, live peaceably with all men. And then verse 20, all right, 19, dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, right? You're heavily provoked, but don't take vengeance for yourself. And that's the other thing you can do, you know. God does a way of dealing with these matters. Just commit it to the Lord. But rather give place unto wrath, right? Don't respond with wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. And the final verse says, Therefore, if thine enemy, and God forbid that your husband or your wife should be your enemy, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Thank you to the individual who sent in that question. We have another listener who is asking, if someone is living faithfully for the Lord and at a point fall into sin and die, but did not get a chance to repent, will that individual go to heaven? I wonder if that person is thinking of an individual like this person that I'm about to read, I'm, I'm going to read about. And uh, I ask that question because if it is so, then maybe the answer is right here. This is a man who fell into sin, committed fornication, and I'm not trying to promote fornication or anything because the Bible condemns it out of hand. But it says that this man is a member of the church and the apostle says, verse 4 of 1 Corinthians 5, In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you are gathered together and my spirit with the power of power of our Lord Jesus Christ to deliver such an one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh. Committing fornication, he's going to pay a price in the flesh. Because he's a believer in Christ, a member of the church, that's my understanding. That the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Now that might come to a shocker, as a shocker to many. But that is what the Bible says, that this man has sinned, fallen into sin, and the church will not tolerate it. He's to be put out of the church. And when he's put out of the church, Satan is going to make a mincemeat of him. That's what it's saying there, for the destruction of the flesh. But the spirit which God has saved will be saved. I trust that that answers your question, and I appreciate you, Brother Campbell, taking that answer directly from Scripture and just reading the verses to answer it. And it is often something I've thought about. You know, we don't always understand what's going through God's mind in this side of eternity. I'm not even sure the other side of eternity we're going to be able to fully grasp. 
everything that has gone through the mind of God, but he has a purpose, he has a plan, and he has given us his word and what is in his word as a reference for a manual, operation manual for this life. We are talking, go ahead. But could I say that I would not bet on a man who's living in fornication that he's going to heaven. Hmm. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's not evidence of salvation. So if a person is going to think that, well, okay, you know, I can probably commit fornication and, and my spirit would still be saved, there's no guarantee that a person who lives like that ever knew the Lord. But with, once you know the Lord, God has already declared you righteous. Thank you to the individual who sent in that question. We've got 10 minutes left in this episode, so if you have a question, go ahead and send it in in a hurry so that we can have plenty of time to answer it on the air. You can call and ask your question live on the air by calling 268 462 7420. Or you can WhatsApp or text your question to 268-782-1454. WhatsApp or text 268-782-1454. We are talking about attitudes and afflictions that may uh, damage and destroy a marriage and you were talking about the buildup of anger and bitterness. What about frustration and tensions? I guess I view that as a, a cousin to the previous discussion. What are your thoughts from a biblical perspective as to how we should guard against those? Yeah, some ways to overcome frustrations, and I agree with you, this is in tandem with the previous question, the previous yeah, discussion. Some ways to overcome frustrations and tensions include, you know, cooking a nice meal <laughs> by either party, particularly if it's the husband. Let the wife just relax and cook a meal, help to break the tension. Or having a picnic even in the back of the yard or out in the village. Have a picnic. Have a little beach time together with the family playing games, etc. Et Do things that will make the other happy. So it's one of the ways of dealing with frustrations and tensions. You know, sometimes the children can cause frustration. They do the same thing every day that you tell them not to do. They come home with their clothes dirty after school and so forth and it's frustrating and you just don't know what to do before you um, lose control take a grip of yourself take a grip of the situation make everybody happy brother campbell we have a question that has come in good night brother and this is in relation to proverbs 23 7 which i'll go ahead and read the verse proverbs 23 7 says for as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Eat and drink, saith to he to thee, but his heart is not with thee. What does the scripture mean when it says, as a man thinketh, so is he? 
And after explaining, can you give an example, please? Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. Well, the word is God is saying is very similar to what we were mentioning, and the Lord Jesus says, "What is not what goes into the man that condemns him; it's what comes out of the man that condemns him, because out of the heart cometh uh, fornication, etc., etc." So, the uh, the thoughts of a man's heart will be reflected in his attitude, his action, his personality. Whether he's going to be a pleasant person, you know, based on the thought of his heart. If he's the type to do what we just recommended, to go and organize a picnic for his family because... The, the frustrations and the tensions are there. Money has been short constantly. COVID has been bothering the whole community. You know, the tensions can be external or internal. It can be within the family or it can be from outside of the family. But if the man has the right attitude of heart, you will see his response will be different. Either the, the man with the wrong attitude of heart will blame everybody around him for what is happening will be abusive to those who uh, depend on him for affection and love and encouragement um, because that's how he is. His heart is not right with himself or with God. Um, so I, I would say that the, the forces operating in his thoughts in his mind will be demonstrated by the things that he does. And uh, my illustration would be just as I mentioned. You, 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 Jesus says by their fruit you shall know them. If he's going to be a person who is going to try to make others happy, if he's going to do things that are pleasant and encouraging, you know what is happening in his, his, his heart. Thank you to the individual who sent in that one. And also thank you for this follow-up question in relation to emotional abuse. Brother Campbell, if one partner keeps abusing the other, should the abused partner remain in the marriage, especially if children are involved? Getting some heavy questions tonight. No. If you've done everything to defuse the situation you tried what I suggested which is to um, turn it around so that whereas the intention is to hurt upset and so forth and instead you are showing joy and you go and buy him gifts maybe you might see that as weakness if he's some, has, some men might be silly in that way or, or wife as the case may be um and uh, if you feel that his attitude is a threat to the safety of your children and yourself, I would suggest that you take every action necessary to protect yourself and your children. Thank you for all the interaction that we have been having tonight. We really appreciate your interaction, and that's what the program is about, is a live call-in interactive program we have just a few minutes left in tonight's episode 
And Brother Campbell, we were talking about things that lead to failure in marriage. Whether it's, I don't know as I've seen this in marriage, but I'd be curious if you think it can lead to failure in marriage. Maybe someone sets out on a school project or on a business venture and they just have, they get partway into it and they just have this overwhelming negative attitude that is going to inevitably fail. Is that possible to have in marriage? And is that something that can lead to the failure of the marriage? If so, how should we handle it? Yes, it is It is very important. It is a critical uh, matter to deal with, this feeling of the inevitability of failure. You know, and especially when persons go into marriage with a fear of failure, and then they start looking for symptoms of failure, and then they end up with a conclusion that failure is inevitable. I think that they, one should recognize that failure is not of God. We're told in First Corinthians 15, Thanks be unto God who giveth us the victory. Our God is a victorious God all the time, every time. In addition, God has created man with the tools needed to overcome frustrations and defeatism. You know, this idea of, I, I, I'm being defeated by the devil. Just think about how you could counsel someone going through your experience and apply the solutions you would use for them to yourself. You will be able to see how you can overcome your challenges. If you are a believer in Christ, then you have the added tool of his written word. God gives us the victory when we trust in him. Ask for his guidance and work your way to victory. Recognize that testing is a recurring experience. You're tested today. Don't feel that that's it. You'll be tested tomorrow or the other day. But work out ways of dealing with it when it returns. Brother Campbell, as we wrap up here, do you really believe that God's Word has the answers that we need in order to have a successful marriage? Yes, I do. Because the Word of God tells us about the marriage between Christ and the church. And it says we should pattern our lives after that, particularly the men. Uh, need to recognize this, but certainly both, both parties. And if we can love our wives the way Christ loved the church and gave his life for it, then there's nothing that will hinder us from being the best of husbands. And similarly, if the wife can submit to the husband the way the church submits to Christ, then she doesn't have to be afraid a wife doesn't have to be afraid to submit to a husband who loves her the way Christ loves the church. In the last 60 seconds, what would you advise for the listener who says, Brother Campbell, my marriage is going downhill instead of uphill, and I want it to be successful. Where should I start reading in my Bible? What book of the Bible, what chapter, what passage should I focus my attention this week? Well, I had my Bible set at uh, Ephesians chapter 5, 
and I think that's a good place to start and uh, not just to read but to study and to see that relationship. I would also go for Matthew chapter 5, the Beatitude. I would suggest that that be given careful consideration as well. And uh, the Lord's Prayer has a lot of lessons there for us as well. Brother Campbell, thank you very much for the material you shared. And keep your radio dial tuned to CRL. Thank you for joining us for today's program. We pray that the Holy Spirit uses the truths shared from God's Word to strengthen your faith. Now you've heard it. That's truth. Thanks for listening. Remember, you can hear more answers to life's questions on That's Truth, Tuesday at 7.30 p.m. on the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse. If you're in Antigua, you can listen at 92.3 MHz FM. If you're in the Caribbean, you can listen at 1160 kilohertz AM or listen online at www.radiolighthouse.org from anywhere in the world. Or you can subscribe to this podcast. Looking forward to having you join us next time.